Thank you very much for joining us on another episode of The Watchdog here on Mint Press. As you know, weekly we are going against the grain, covering stories which are often marginalised outside the earshot of the masses. For that reason, we hope that you can support us in what we do by supporting us on Patreon, by liking, by sharing, by subscribing, by commenting on this video. We have a very special episode today. Of course, all of us in the journalistic world are still reeling from the killing of legendary Palestinian journalist and correspondent Shirin Abu Akhla. Now, this week we are very, very fortunate to have Lina Abu Akhla in her own right, uh, an academic, someone that has experience working in diplomacy um, at the Permanent Observer Mission of the State of Palestine in the United Nations, um, somebody who has studied international studies, you know, looking closely at issues of human rights and global justice, who also happens to be the niece of Shirin Abu Akhla. We're joined today by Lina. Now, before we go to Lena, I think it must be stated very, very clearly, in my opinion and from my perspective, that the crime which was carried out against Shirin was an extension of the wider war against journalism, which Israel pursues in many, many different ways. We have to remember that the same way that Shirin was killed, despite the fact that she was clearly identified as a journalist, is not dissimilar to the way that Yasser Murtaja was killed when Palestinians in Gaza were attempting to fulfill their right of return under UN Resolution 194. Yasser was wearing the word press across his chest and he was shot by an Israeli sniper. What about the journalist Ahmed Abu Hussein, also identified clearly as press and was killed by Israeli forces? Basil Faraj, you have a long list of others like Fadl Shana or Imad Abu Zahra or Isam um, Tilawi or even the British journalist James Miller and many, many others that we simply do not have time to name. According to the Palestinian Journalists Union, 55 journalists have been killed by the State of Israel since 2000. Um, since 2018, we've seen at least 144 Palestinian journalists wounded by Israeli occupation forces. You've seen a range of wounds from live fire to rubber bullets, stun grenades, beatings with batons and tear gas used against journalists, according to Reporters Without Borders. In addition to that, you have also seen this attitude towards the reporting of the truth manifest in the arresting of Palestinian journalists on the allegation of incitement. So according to the Palestinian Prisoners Study Center, between 2015 and 2018, around 500 Palestinians were arrested and imprisoned under the justification 
of incitement for things that they had posted on social media. Many of those that were imprisoned were journalists and some were even children. You have um, between 10 and 15 Palestinian journalists currently in Israeli occupation jails under the allegation of incitement. You know, also you can broaden this out to look at the activities of Israel's NSO group, which has sent its spyware Pegasus around the world, which has been used to hack into the phones of tens of thousands of journalists across the world. Now, the claim by NSO group was that they have no access to the information that is being procured by these governments and that they have no way of seeing what their spyware has been used to extract. However, that would, of course, not explain why the NSO advisory board member, Sherry Blair, was actually able to reach out to the ex-wife of Dubai's ruler and tell her she was a target using NSO Pegasus spyware. Now, if NSO Group has no access to that information, how could Sherry Blair, uh, an advisory board member of the organization, possibly know? In addition to the horrific killing of Shirin, we even saw the, uh, the funeral attacked also by Israeli occupation forces. And again, this is not without precedent. We saw just last year the shooting dead of uh, Shaukat Khalil uh, Awad at the funeral of Muhammad al-Alama, who was a 12-year-old child that had been shot the day before by Israeli occupation forces as he sat in the car with his father. And that was at the funeral of this 12-year-old boy. So we must remember that this war against confrontational journalism has been long, long running. And unfortunately, one of the latest examples of it, in my opinion, seems to be the killing of Shirin. And so today we welcome uh, the niece of Shirin, uh, Lina Abu Akla, to the show. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us today, Lina. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'd like to thank everyone who's been supporting me and my family, uh, Shirin's friends, her colleagues, throughout this tragedy, I would say. Um, it's been very tough. Um, it was it was a horrendous crime. And um, we hope that there will be justice and that there will be accountability. And thank you for all the information that you shared. And um, yeah. Lena, I just wanted to start by asking, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm better uh, than, the, than last week. It was shocking. I still, uh, I still can hear my father telling me that you need to check on your aunt because he called me and it was at 7 a.m. telling me your aunt has been uh, injured. Um, call her and make sure she's okay. I remember picking up the phone and my hands were shaking. I never expected that she would be in a critical condition. 
let alone have to hear from her colleague telling me that your aunt is Tashhadat, she's a martyr now. Um, the the five minutes, these five minutes were the most difficult five minutes of my entire life. Like, I don't think I, it, it will get worse than that. Um, but the support of everyone has been uh, very comforting. The love we've received and the respect that everyone has shown her is shown her and us is something we will forever be thankful for. So to answer your question, I'm doing better. Uh, we're doing fine. It's just we're taking it day by day and trying to keep her memory alive and to continue her legacy. And if it's not too private a question, I just wanted to ask, what was Shirin like on a personal level? Shirin was a very fun person. She loved life. Uh, she was very down to earth. Uh, she had a very unique sense of humor. Um, everyone would see her behind uh, on the screen as like she's serious, doing her job. But among her friends, among the family, she was very funny. She always had fun stories despite her her difficult uh, job. Um, she always found the bright side of life uh, despite its tragedies. She always knew how to comfort people. She was, she was very humble. I think everyone. This is something everyone has been wondering. Um, the, considering the fame she's received now, how was she in life? Was she like the life of the celebrity? But no, she was very humble, and I think that's something that made her stand out. She never liked to be the center of attention. So I know, if now that she's looking down and she saw the funeral and the amount of attention she received. I don't think she would have liked that because she was the center of attention. She never saw it. She never liked to be the center of attention. She was very humble and she was very, um, she was just very content with, with her, uh, with her, uh, with her job, with her name. So yeah, other than that, she was the cool aunt. That's definitely what she was. She was the cool aunt who was always, close to uh, to me and my siblings um she enjoyed traveling and she yeah she enjoyed her life and i don't think she ever expected that this is how it's going to end and what would you say was your favorite memory uh with your aunt shiri um i have a lot but i think uh, my favorite now Looking back was our last trip to the States. Uh, I was in San Francisco and she, uh, her and my parents flew out and they spent uh, Christmas, almost an entire month in the US. And we visited New York. They came to San Francisco. We went to Vegas and it was just so much fun. And this is some, a trip she was looking forward to because I remember it was very tough before that. Uh, she hadn't had a proper vacation. And she really had fun. We did everything she she was looking forward to, uh, whether it's shopping, um, trying out different cuisine. And most importantly, and I think this is something um, that I don't know I, whether it was a sign or it was a mere coincidence, 
she was able to reconnect with a lot of her cousins whom she hasn't seen for for years. So it was very nice. It was like a family reunion. So to me, I would say that was uh, that was the fondest memory I've had of her is just being together with the family and uh, reunited and especially on Christmas. So that to me was very special that we were able to be together um, miles apart. Everyone was united in one uh, city in the States. So, yeah. And just leading on from that, is there a particular piece of advice that she gave you that you feel has been particularly helpful or you feel will be particularly helpful in your life going forward? Yeah, so one of the biggest concerns I've always had was uh, trying to find a job, especially in the past few months. I was trying to find an, uh, a job and I was very, I've been very anxious about it. And she's always told me, you don't need to worry about anything whatever is meant for you will eventually happen. And she was always very good at comforting me. And she told me, you're still young. You still have an entire lifetime in front of you. So you don't need to stress about these things. Like you're going to be, you're going to end up working your entire life. So just enjoy these few years, uh, enjoy your time, do whatever you, you want, whatever you're passionate about. So Again, she enjoyed, she loved life. So this is something she's always been telling me is that enjoy your days, you're still young um, and just do whatever you love. Um, yeah, I think this is one of the biggest takeaways that will forever stay with me. Thank you for sharing that with us. I wanted to ask you, um, I understand that Shireen, as a U.S. citizen, yes, uh, her killing has reverberated in interesting and new ways. There have been communications from the U.S. government to your family. Are you able to tell us a bit about those communications and the content of them? Yes, so we were contacted by uh, uh, the State Department uh, and we were also, um, the ambassador of uh, the U.S. paid us a visit, uh, paid his condolences to the family and they were all very keen on following up with a, an, an, um, a transparent and an independent uh, investigation, a probe into her killing. And they promised that they will be taking uh, uh, action in terms of following up with the investigation. And they're very serious about it. So we are hopeful as a family. We're hopeful and we're looking forward to an investigation um, because there needs to be accountability. And this is something we really want. And keeping in mind that uh, the U.S. values freedom of press and it was only a few weeks ago if i'm not mistaken president biden was talking about it and he was saying how much freedom of press is an, is very important part of uh the us and should be respected it should be protected and shirin being a us citizen is very important that this also applies to her uh even though she was 
killed uh, in Palestine, it's very important that they follow through with the investigation and they also keep in mind that she was a journalist wearing her press vest, her helmet. So she was exercising her right to press, her right to freedom of speech, but she was killed while doing that. So as a family, we're hopeful. We're hoping that uh, they will keep their promise and that there will be a follow-up and that soon we'll, uh, we'll hear back from them. One interesting uh, memory that I have is of the killing of Tom Herndl, a British citizen in Gaza by an Israeli military sniper. Now, in that case, you did see the sniper serve some time in jail. When interviewed about it, his assertion was that the only reason that he was going to prison was because he was Durzi, he was non-Jewish. Mm-hmm. And his assertion was that he was being made a scapegoat for the wider system. We do hope that the attempts by the Israeli political and military establishment to really cover up this entire horrible, horrific affair, are, you know, these attempts are unsuccessful. Um, it must have been very difficult in the initial days with essentially misinformation being published by the Israeli government, attempting to blame people who were physically nowhere near the geographical location where the killing of Shirin took place. I understand if it's something you wouldn't want to get into, but if you could just um, let us know, you know, what, what was that like? And I think, what do you feel that says about the uh, me- uh, the mechanics and the mechanisms of the Israeli government in these kind of situations when there's a sort of PR crisis as they see it, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, that's the pro- propaganda they tried to spread. It's that um, it wasn't them. It was there was there were clashes. There were no clashes, and even yesterday, two videos were released showing that they were absolutely nothing going on. They were merely walking. They were just there. Um, and the second thing um, that I wanted to say is that we saw how many times Israel changed their narrative around seven to eight times, and that should say a lot. Um, this is their way of trying to escape guilt. They don't want to be held accountable. I mean, only yesterday they released a statement saying that they will not be investigating her um, her murder, saying that it does not constitute a crime. Um, but also they released that they do have the rifle of who, uh, the rifle that might have killed, that might have killed Shireen. So to me, that's like, it's like they don't even have a straight story. It's like they did it. They're saying, yeah, we did it, but we're not going to take blame for it. And we don't want to even say it out loud. So we'll just let it go. So that show that shows that 
that even proves it more that they're actually the ones who committed the crime. I mean, we don't even need to see a video. We don't even, um, we don't even need to have like their say in it because you cannot be the murderer and at the same time, um, trying the one trying to carry the investigation. So that to me just doesn't make sense. But the fact that they don't see this as a crime is beyond beyond uh beyond me i just it doesn't make sense to me like make it make sense um and the other thing is that um sorry i just slipped my mind no, no worries we we can edit everything in anything yeah perfect no problem uh I, I mean i was also gonna say um no yeah worries. you can come back when you're ready i was also gonna say that that decision not to investigate and that assertion that there is no suspicion of a criminal act despite the fact that they seem to have identified the rifle from which the mm-hmm. bullet was fired indicates that the Israeli political military establishment which seemed to act very much as one in the same mm-hmm. thing do not see this act as an aberration of Israeli policy they see it as an embarrassing and hyper-focused upon example of how the daily life of the occupation functions. The daily life is the suppression of journalism. And, you know, as we laid out at the beginning, in some cases, that's arresting journalists for Facebook posts. That's arresting mm-hmm. people like Darin Tartor for poems that she posted on her Facebook you know, this is what essentially it does look like. And I just also wanted to ask you how you feel when you hear people um, really attempt to rationalize what took place at Shirin's funeral. Um, what What would be your response to the terrible scenes that we saw yeah and just to go back to your previous point uh, what i was trying to say is that the reason why israel isn't also they don't care that much as seems is because this crime this deliberate crime is actually a result of uh, decades of israel impunity and the failure of the international community to hold israel accountable and even before, even the day off when it happened, when we heard the news, um, the Israeli police were, they approached us, they came to our house and they were not just trying, they didn't just try to silence Shirin by killing her, but they were also trying to suppress our ident- our Palestinian identity by not allowing us to uh, raise the flags outside, not allowing Palestinian chants, Palestinian national music, gatherings. So the entire, their entire system is basically built on trying to suppress Palestinians, whether it's suppressing journalists, uh, silencing their voices, basically what they did to all the other 50 journalists, including Shirin. And most importantly, silencing the truth. And uh, this has been trying, this has been going on for decades. The sad part is that international community hasn't taken any strong action that 
makes Israel, that holds Israel accountable. And uh, to go back to your other question about the funeral, I've seen how we saw how the media uh, portrayed it as, again, there were clashes in the hospital, projectiles being thrown at the, at the forces, um, bottles being thrown, rocks. None of this was true. I mean, I was there. I was, in the fr- I was literally in, in the front line of uh, the funeral procession. We merely carried her out of the fridge. Her casket was handed to the crowd so they can move her into the hearse. The, they didn't even attempt to come and talk to us. They didn't attempt to question what was happening. Um, in a split second, you see them marching in barbarically. Um, and they started attacking everyone left and right with their batons. Um, they even threatened me to, they told me, if you don't get out of the way, we will beat you. I had to run. Uh, and I hid inside the inside the hospital when I started seeing them throwing stun grenades and smoke grenades. Um, they honestly, they had, they came in. They had this entire thing prepared, in my in my opinion. This was their way of also silencing how we mourn. And um, this is actually a crime because everyone has a right to dignity and right to dignity is not just during your lifetime. Right to dignity continues even after your death. And they, in that moment, they didn't just commit the crime of assassinating her, but also the crime of um, attacking mourners, attacking uh, the hospital, and disrespecting the sanctity of a hospital as an institution. And that's a war crime. I mean, they even marched inside the hospital and they started throwing stun grenades inside the building. Um, they shoved around a person with disability, a woman who was going into labor. So the entire thing is a war crime in and of itself. So to go back to the question, the narrative and the way the misinformation has been on media stating that there were attacks, so they were forced to go in, or that we asked the, the Israeli uh, police to interfere. None of this is true. None of this took place. Uh, when they summoned my father before the funeral, um, they were actually trying to limit the number of uh, people participating in the procession. They didn't want flags. So they were trying to put some constraints to how we want to mourn. And to make it clear, this is not just an, a funeral for our family and friends. This is a national funeral. Shirin was a national symbol that was respected by everyone, not just nationally, but internationally. Um, so the way they portrayed it, the way the Western media portrayed the events that took place at the funeral was very absurd because none of that happened. We were not, there were no clashes. It was just them attacking the mourners and most importantly, attacking the pallbearers. Uh, I mean, one of the pallbearers is still in the hospital recovering from his, uh, from the injury to his spinal cord because he did not let go of the casket even when they were beating him. And this is all documented. This is all, this was all seen on social media, on the news. There were pictures, videos. Um, uh, well, yes, we do welcome all the condemnation that happened and everyone's 
criticism on the actions on the Israeli occupation forces, their actions. Um, we still want action. We want concrete action from everyone. So just to confirm, at the funeral of your aunt, you were personally threatened by yes, the I was military. Yes. Which other family members, if any, were also personally threatened by Israeli occupation forces, whether at the funeral or outside of the funeral of your aunt? Um, no, I honestly cannot recall if someone else was, but whether it's verbally or not, we were, we all felt threatened. Whether they verbally told us they were threatening us but or you not, were but uh, we. You were yes, bad. but yeah, we all were scared. Actually, we were all scared for our lives. I was actually very scared that they would confiscate her casket uh, because that's been that's seen in the do. past. Yes. Um, uh, but yeah, in general, I think uh, a lot of people were uh, were were threatened. A lot of people were injured, and most importantly, my father was late to the mass to the church. Because they gave him so much trouble to to make it past all the checkpoints they had uh, on the way. And another thing is that they questioned a lot of people's beliefs. If you're a Muslim or Christian, to, to allow them to access the church as if we need their permission. You know, as if the church only accepts Christians. Um, so, yeah, these were some of the multiple incidents that took place and then in addition to that uh, evidence was found and we will show the evidence detailing it that the israeli police published a doctored video to try and depict one of the people at the front of the procession i imagine throwing a stone when actually the real footage revealed he'd done nothing of the sort so this is just another yeah. example they are trying to fabricate of course they try to fabricate they are trying to uh blame it all on us and yeah. uh, pin it on the family pin it on the mourners yeah. uh, on the contrary there was nothing there was nothing absolutely it was just them who barged in and they were attacking and they headed straight towards the uh towards the group of men carrying her casket and to also not forget, they attacked the hearse. They broke its back window. And I remember when they, uh, when she arrived to the church and they placed her on the table, I couldn't even put my hands on her casket because it was covered in shattered glass. So, yeah. And just um, another question. Is one of the pallbearers who was also assaulted by the occupation, I understand, has been subject to arrest by the occupation. Yes. Is there anything yeah. you can tell us about that? Uh, yes, we. I actually recently found out about that, that he's been arrested. Uh, but I don't have a lot of information, as unfortunately we haven't had the time to follow up. Uh, on that matter, but yes, I've I did see that he was arrested, and some uh, sources were saying that he was 
subject to beating and harassment. But and it, I'm not, I, I don't have enough information. And we don't know if it's a link to his presence as a pallbearer at the funeral. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. But I won't be surprised. Yeah. Um, also, another question that I wanted to ask is how much you know about Israeli communication with the US government on this issue? Do you Have you been made aware of the content of those meetings? Uh, to be honest, no, I don't have any information regarding that. Uh, our communication has just been strictly uh, with the uh, U.S. embassy representatives from Palestine and Jerusalem, um, but I we haven't. Uh, I don't know anything about that. It's also worth mentioning for our viewers, particularly the ones in the UK, that it is believed that the bullet which killed Shirin was 5.6 in terms of its size. Now, what we also understand is that the main supplier, the main provider of these types of bullets um, are Israel Military Industries, which is a subsidiary of Elbit Systems. Now, Elbit Systems has been the subject of its largest Israeli arms manufacturer. It's been the subject of a very intense campaign in this country. Palestine Action has succeeded as the Crown Prosecution Service acknowledged a few days ago in British court, enforcing Elbit to sell a subsidiary in this country for anti-technologies in Oldham. These are the words of the Crown Prosecution Service. Mm-hmm. They sold the subsidiary at a loss. The subsidiary had been acquired, as far as I understand, by Elbit Systems a few years ago for £15 million, and it was sold for £9 million. So it was sold at a loss, thanks to a local mobilization of people in the community handing out leaflets about what the company did even knocking door to door, setting up a stall in the local community, showing people what this company did, but then also the direct action component by Palestine Action of going into the factory and shutting it down. Now, with Nakba week and the killing of Shirin, you actually saw an intensification of what Palestine Action do, and they shut down Elbit Systems four times in the last week, different factories, including the most well-protected one in Bristol. And also, in addition to that, you saw Elbit Systems headquarters shut down twice in the space of a week by Palestine action. So for people in the UK, there is many, there are many options of how you can be active and fight back to support not only Shirin, but the other heroic, courageous, and brave journalists, Palestinian journalists, who have been subject subject to all manner of suppression within the context of covering, merely covering the occupation. The facts themselves condemn uh, Israel in a major way. I would just say, Lena, uh, thank you so much for joining us. 
just the last question that I wanted to ask you, if there was not anything else that you would like to add, is you have been quoted as saying on the Israeli version of events that this is their way of evading any responsibility. But when a thorough investigation takes place, it will be proven that she was murdered in cold blood while doing her job wearing a press jacket. Unfortunately, the occupation does not distinguish between a child and a woman or even a journalist. Now, my question to you as a bereaved family member, what body do you see as most um, suitable to carry out the kind of investigation that you talked of? Which body do you think has the power to carry it out? And then what would you hope that that investigation could lead to? Um, I really hope um, ICC. I mean, it's, it has the power to uh, prosecute uh, war criminals. And everything that happened to Shirin constitutes a war crime. Um, it happened in the occupied uh, territories. So she was killed. She was a journalist. And as I mentioned earlier, um, her right to dignity during her funeral was also violated. So we do have a case. We do have a strong case. But what we need is pressure. Pressure not just from us, not just our family pressuring the international community, pressuring the U.S. We need collective pressure from everyone, human rights organizations, um, governments, EU, the UN. Uh, we've seen how many people have condemned what happened to Shirin. And also, most importantly, journalists, because an attack on one journalist should be seen as an attack on all journalists. This isn't the first time Shirin was harassed. She's been harassed as a Palestinian female journalist in the past under the Israeli occupation. Multiple times her press card was uh, discontinued. It was confiscated. Multiple times she was threatened by Israeli occupation forces to be shot. She was under very, uh, she was continuously harassed. But she maintained her level of professionalism. She was an ideal and an exemplary journalist. And people need to see that this crime has the ability to repeat itself. This crime can happen again if Israel is not held accountable, whether it's the ICC, UN, any, I, we just need all um, bodies that have the ability and the capacity to hold Israel accountable, we welcome any and all. And what would you suggest, Lena, for those journalists in English language journalism? How can they best honor the legacy of Shirin and support you and your family in your struggle? Um, well, to start it off, we would like for them to continue writing about her, to continue talking about her. Um, I know in news and journalism, uh, once it's uh, it's trending, it's trending for like a week, maybe a month, and then it just 
they're on to a next hot topic. But we don't want this just to be that. We don't want her just to be a number. We want people to continuously talk about her, continuously mention her. This isn't just a memory for me, but this is the collective memory of the Palestinian people, whether it's nationally or internationally. What happened to Shirina, as everyone was telling us, happened to all of us. It's They killed a part of us. And that's why we need pressure. We need people to talk about her. We need more uh, news news agencies covering her story. And most importantly, uh, we need to stop with the misinformation and the double standards that continues to continues to be seen in international community and in the media. I mean, if this was uh, if she was in Ukraine, I'm sure the reaction from governments would have been completely different. They would have taken action from the second day, maybe not, probably the first day. Because we saw this, a lot of a lot of journalists who were killed in Russia in Ukraine has have been considered as war crimes. So we need the same effort, the same uh, actions that were taken in other situations to be taken in the case of Shirin. Just because she's Palestinian does not mean that uh, it's it's not it's not their interest, you know. Um, she was Palestinian, she was a U.S. citizen, she was a journalist, and at the end of the day, she was a human being who was shot doing what she, what she loved. Thank you so much for Thank your you time. Thank you so much for having me. For your courage in speaking out, for your honesty, for your willingness to, you know, so many are just shocked into silence and what you've shown is a real example of how to persevere and speak out when under this horrific treatment um, i hope you know that at mint press we are at your disposal for anything Thank that you. you may hope to do and we are here to help in any way you would like Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me and giving me the space to talk about uh, the tragedy and may her memory and legacy live on. Absolutely. Long live Shirin Abu Akhla and we will do everything we can to continue fighting. Thank you so much for joining okay. us, Lina. Um, we'll see you again. Thank you.